Sakina Kamwendo on SAFM. Uh, Isabel, good to speak to you again. Welcome to Update at Noon. Thanks, Akin, and thanks for the opportunity to explore these really interesting figures. They certainly are. They certainly are, as you say, interesting, but also very depressing. But it's, it's, it's not unexpected, is it, Isabel? Because we are basically just continuing in this battle against poverty. Indeed. Um, I think just to explain to your listeners uh, the difference between subjective and objective poverty, because this is why it adds an interesting slide. The objective poverty is that which is uh, determined statistically according to a set question such as income levels. And from that, we get the objective poverty levels. Subjective poverty is when people are actually asked how they rank themselves, um, whether people see themselves as rich or poor. And in the survey, uh, this was using the general household survey, um, there is an interesting difference between people were asked, do you see yourselves um, do you see you, you, that whether you and your household are poor or rich? Uh, in fact, it's wealthy, comfortable, getting along poor or very poor. Compared to, do you have enough income to make ends meet? Um, and the reason, that, so, so firstly, that is the kind of nature of today's release is a subject of poverty indicator report. Um, and what strikes me as interesting, just from a research perspective, is that the objective levels of poverty, the base, the most extreme poverty level, which is 25%, really correlates with the question of do you see yourself and your household as poor, uh, which is 26%, whereas the upper bound poverty line, which is the highest poverty level of 55% of poverty, aligns with whether or not people have enough income to get on by. So I think it's interesting that, um, Sakina, that a lot of people who statistically are defined as poor don't see themselves as poor. And I think when we are looking at policies to move people um, into greater resilience, it's great to know that even though people are facing the daily bind, daily bind of poverty, they are not giving up. Now, Isabel, when we look at the major contributors of poverty in the country right now, what are those? I think, Sakina, definitely unemployment. So in South Africa, due to the historic possession of land and and assets by apartheid and colonialism, the majority of us are dependent on wage income for our livelihoods. We don't have land or other assets that we can sort of get on by. Uh, And so when you're looking at unemployment of about 49% and higher for black African, black women, um, you see the direct causal connection with poverty. So people do not have enough to to eat, don't have enough to spend because they're not getting their primary source of income from the wage market. And because the income supplement, which should be coming through Social Security, is generally not available to working age people. Isabel, we are currently at a point where we're seeing um, fuel prices skyrocketing and uh, the ripple effect of that is obvious at this point. Everything else, food prices and the like going up. Uh, You mentioned unemployment um, and we don't seem to be making any headways there. Uh, Salaries, even for those who are employed, uh, seemingly remaining the same. I don't know uh, when last, uh, you know, most people, self-included, had um, a raise. So how does this, you know, um, auger for us as South Africans going forward, uh, especially when you think of uh, whether this could herald even more people entering uh, the poverty bracket? Well, Sakina, 
statistics don't make reality, but we know that the unemployment figures are coming out at the end of this month. They were meant to come out um, end of last month. And we don't expect those to give a, a good story at all as the knock-on of the economic downturn, but also impact of, st- of um, lockdown and the electricity supply all kind of moves people, moves the economy down and therefore jobs are lost. So we're going to see we believe, uh, a greater reflection of the unemployment levels. As you said, we've got fuel price increases. We know that the impact of the Russian-Ukrainian, uh, well, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, has meant a huge squeeze on wheat prices. And as South Africa, we, imp- we import wheat from, uh, the, from Russia and the Ukraine, as many other African countries do, which is something which I was not aware of. So we're going to see that coming down um, and, and impacting on our ability to make ends meet. And as you say, with the, the fact that salaries have not increased and we've actually, those who are employed are, are told by our employers that you're lucky you have a job, then here's an increase. The question is what's going to happen. We, we, we might actually see um, interest levels rise uh, by the, as the state tries to control inflation with the increase in petrol prices. So we're not looking at a very positive time ahead at all. And I think the question is, what can leadership uh, put in place in order to proactively uh, absorb people or bring people along in terms of firstly saying, how bad is it going to get and what then can we do collectively? One of the issues that uh, comes to the fore at times like this is the question of a wealth tax. So we saw, for instance, when the budget was announced that there was an announcement of an unexpected commodities boom, which is basically um, many of, of the precious metals that are mined. So we've seen as lockdown has influenced negatively salaries, so share prices have increased. So the rich have really exponentially gotten richer at the same time that the rest of us have, have had been squeezed on all sides. The question must be asked, is this now the time instead of what the budget did, which was to hand back money to state creditors as a result of the increase, the windfall, you might say, of the commodities boom. And as we've been told that the commodities boom is going to last for at least another um, sort of two and a half to seven, so it would have been a five to, to seven, a five to ten year boom. We have some leeway there. Should we not be looking at increasing financial transactions tax, but also um, the, the the wealth tax um, and, and, and the tax on assets in order to ensure that the state is getting uh, further additional income, what it should be then distributing directly either through tax cuts to uh, the middle class or through increased cash grants to working age um, and and uh, basically pension and, and children through the, the, the social grant system. So in order to absorb in advance the impact that we're going to be facing, is it not time that the state introduces higher tax on, on wealth and that um, redistribution to middle class and to the unemployed? Isabel, just to finally, what's the solution? <laughs> Sakina, um, I think that just proactively looking at the kinds of steps such as the one I've just outlined about identifying where there is more taxable income and direct distribution of that to people needs to happen. I think we we hear 
increasingly about the desire to have a social compact. I think at times of crisis, such as the ones that we're going into, which is a heightened crisis, we need to see a sense that there is going to be a fair burden um, of the distribution of the poverty on everybody's shoulders and not just on those who feel that they are unable to, to give more. I mean, in the survey that, that you opened with, the interesting thing is the increase in the sense of unhappiness um, amongst those who self-define as poor compared to the wealthy. So for those who see themselves as, as well-off, um, the sense of well-being is great. But for those who don't have enough to come get by with, um, the sense of unhappiness is, is increasing. And we know what happened in July last year. But my, 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 So my closing point, Sakina, is really we need to see leadership wake up and see this um, moment as being one where a clear indication is given of the steps that will happen. We can't as a nation, we don't have the collective ability to face another destructive event or, or to mop up. We need to see, have leadership saying, this is what's going to happen. We're going to be doing this. We see you. You will be covered um, by things that we're setting up in place before the, the crisis happens. Isabel Fry, thanks so much for your time. Director of Studies in Poverty and Inequalities Institute. Isabel Fry speaking to us there. Sakina Kamwendo on SAFM.